Welcome to Idle Chatter, brought to you by the Machinery Digest, where steel and soil meet. A weekly podcast by a New Jersey farmer to all farmers and ranchers across this great nation. And yes, there are farms in New Jersey. Regardless of the crop you grow or the livestock you raise, we all have one thing in common. Agriculture runs on passion, sweat, tears, and machinery. And that is why the Machinery Digest exists. A no-nonsense, grease-under-your-fingernails educational website. It was created to provide a transfer of knowledge so that you can maintain, service, and most importantly, understand today's complex farm equipment. My name is Ray Bohax and I farm too. It is time now to get under the sheet metal. Hello my friends and welcome to Idle Chatter. Once again, Ray Bohax here with you this week, coming to you from Cat Swamp Road in Warren County, rainy Warren County, New Jersey. So uh, hopefully things are going well for you today. And this is uh, Holy Week. So this is the show, the podcast of Holy Week. And in case I do not, I run out of time at the end, I want to wish you all a blessed, blessed, blessed Holy Week and a wonderful Resurrection Sunday. And I know that this is a uh, just really a solemn and yet wonderful time of year with the uh, with our Savior Jesus Christ giving His life on the cross for our sins and for so we so that we may have eternal life. And I pray sincerely that none of you that are listening lose sight of that. And I know that uh, I often like to reflect on that as often as possible and on a daily basis because I know that I certainly need to be forgiven for things, for just being a human being, right? So uh, it's wonderful that we do have a Savior. And it's wonderful that we're able to have this 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 solemn celebration at such a... Um, it's it's such a uh, a juxtaposition of of tears and joy at the same time but this week's show and you'll maybe be listening to this after easter and that's what's so great about these podcasts is that you could listen to them anytime you like so uh and hopefully you'll be getting into the field soon and maybe listening to this show while you're in the field running that planter i know over here in warren county uh well, I did see this. There's one. There's one. There's one farm that's about 20 miles away from me, and I go to a TA truck stop in the morning every morning to have coffee, and I walk around and gather my thoughts and spend some time with the Lord before I come back here to the farm and to my office and things kind of usually end up going off the rails. But that's life. And there's one farm, they have a uh, fresh market fruit and vegetable operation, and he historically plants around the 15th of April, and when I rode by this morning, I saw the planter tracks in one field, but also that field is uh, had a pretty good heavy rain last night, so part of that field, he has very poor uh, penetration of the water, and it's sitting on the water, so that's not that good. But... Uh, He's probably the first one to plant in this neck of the woods, and that's a sweet corn crop that he plants. But I have my cover crop is coming up very nicely, thank God. I have a five-way mix. Uh, I have triticale, 
crimson clover, some uh, cereal rye, uh, tillage radish, uh, and hairy vetch. I knew that there was something else in there, and I could not remember. I don't, I don't know why. As soon as I always, whenever I start this show and start to talk, my voice starts to crack. So I have to excuse me for that. I don't understand why that is, but uh, it always happens. Alrighty, now that I cleared my throat so I could be uh, legible, what today's show is going to be about are the need to have to additize your diesel fuel. And, you know, I've touched on this in different parts over the history of uh, the short history of the Idle Chatter podcast and touched on it a little bit. But this show is going to be completely dedicated to and I am going to try to convince you and hopefully I will be successful at it because it's going to affect your bottom line on your farm or ranch. And, you know, there's probably... I would have to say that probably the most challenging thing to convince farmers to do is to treat their diesel fuel. And they have a real adversity to that. And I'm talking about any diesel fuel. I don't care if it's your road-going pickup truck or your combine or any of the dedicated farm equipment. And most people have an, have, have an aversion to it. Uh, and I think part of that comes from having familiarity with gasoline engines because you really don't need to treat or do anything much with a gasoline engine as far as treating the fuels concerned other than putting an injector cleaner fuel systems cleaner like chevron techron in every few thousand miles and but with diesel fuel you really need to have every gallon that goes through that engine to be treated and that means that you should probably then that probably you, you would need to treat your bulk fuel before it goes into the tank and on a road vehicle you would need to be able to treat it each time you fill it up and i understand that that's an obstacle it's a burden it's a pain it's a pain in the neck but it's very essential that you do that and i'll explain to you why so as this talk progresses today i want to add a few caveats and it's important for you to recognize these things as you listen to my my sermon, right? My sermon for Holy Week about treating the diesel fuel. And this is the first thing I want to I want to state is that this is not a knock. This is not an attack on anybody that produces diesel fuel or sells diesel fuel or any company that claims to sell a premium grade of diesel fuel, which usually means that it has some sort of additive package in it. That is not a knock on them whatsoever. And it is also <clears throat> something that you will see that you need to build upon. So in other words, even if you buy a treated fuel, it does not give you the ability to, or doesn't give you a pass on not treating it on the farm. To start to understand why we need to treat the diesel fuel, you have to look at diesel fuel and where it comes from. And what I mean by where it comes from is that it is a commodity and it is sold and traded a lot like grain. Now, there are certain areas of the country that you may have a local producer of diesel fuel, a local refiner that brings his product into the market directly. And in a lot in uh, some of the corn belt, you may see that in the Great Plains, uh, for instance, a company like Senex, I believe, uh, 
actually produces their own diesel fuel and then markets their own diesel fuel. And there may be a few others, but that's the name that comes to mind. But the fact of the matter is, is that most, if not all, diesel fuel is traded on the, on the commodities market like corn, wood, or wheat, or soybeans. And what happens is that this diesel fuel is produced someplace. We don't know where. The majority of it comes from the United States, but some of it does come from overseas. But it could be produced in a refinery in California, in Oklahoma, in Wyoming, in New Jersey, what have you all around the United States it's produced and also the crude oil that is used to produce that fuel that diesel fuel comes from everywhere and like I say I'm backing up again and repeating there are some rare exceptions where you may get a fuel that from a company that has their own oil wells or has or purchases it purchases it from one source but the best way that I like to teach this especially to people in agriculture is that if hey if i ride by the river and i see a barge loaded with corn and that barge is going to to some destination and there is and there's and there's corn in there from many many different farms many different um maturities of corn many different types of corn many different um uh genetic packages what have you you can't tell it gets all in got sold to the grain elevator and the grain elevator takes it and and puts it all together and sells it to someone it gets remarketed and goes on a barge and goes someplace or goes in a truck what have you so the same thing happens to a great extent with fuel in other words crude oil is put into a pipeline and it could be from a well in this one part of the country, let's say, like the uh, the the Bakken Ridge up in the Dakotas, or it could be from uh, the 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 uh, East Coast over here, the uh, the Shale country out by Ohio and Pennsylvania. I think it's Marcella is the name I was thinking of, Marcella Shale, and it all gets into a pipeline, and it's what they call fungible. And what fungible basically means is that it's so alike in chemical composition that it can be mixed together. And there are caveats again to that. So in other words, if you have, let's say, like Canadian tar sands, I don't know, I'm not a petrochemical engineer, but those that, that crude oil may have to go to a certain refinery that is set up to, uh, to work with the Canadian tar sands type of oil, and that may not be mixed in with, uh, with West Texas Intermediate. But for all intents and purposes, and the way we need to look at it, that crude oil is a commodity. Some of it comes from overseas, and it gets put into a pipeline, and it gets shipped, and then eventually it goes to some refiner, and the refiner takes that crude oil and makes it into a number of different products. It could be made into kerosene, it could be made into jet fuel, it could be made into gasoline, it could be made into diesel fuel, it could be made into something like, like a tugboat uses or a ship is called bunker fuel, which is a cruder version of diesel fuel, and uh, it come, and all of these products come out. So it would be akin to like you being a, a wheat farmer, and you raise wheat and the wheat goes to the mill and becomes flour and that flour could be used to bake a birthday cake it could be used to bake cookies it could be used to bake bread it could be used to uh in in a multitude of make pizza pizza dough what have you could be used to make pasta so this is what happens with diesel fuel so now it goes into this refinery and this diesel fuel product is 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 produced and now it gets distributed out into the marketplace 
and as it gets distributed out into the marketplace it changes hands many times and uh, it changes uh, vessels meaning what it's being carried in it could be carried in a ship it could be carried in rail cars it could be carried through a pipeline diesel fuel does go through some pipelines in the country refined diesel fuel uh, it could then uh, go into a storage tank someplace in what they would call a tank farm where they store fuel and then eventually eventually it ends up on your farm and on most operations they have a, a storage tank of course they buy their fuel in bulk and then from that and the last stop on that whole journey is into your equipment and it then goes into your fuel tank be it in your truck or your farm equipment and then goes through that fuel system and from its journey of being pumped out of the ground as crude oil the last step in its life cycle is a is a chemical to mechanical energy exchange as that injector sprays that atomized diesel fuel into the combustion chamber of the engine and that creates the power and runs the engine alrighty so that's a very simplistic approach but you have to the point that I'm trying to make uh, make make is that that fuel is handled many 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 times it changes its vessel meaning its container uh, that it's in many times and is exposed to many different things along that journey now granted if you have a local refiner that makes fuel and markets it directly then the amount of hands and the amount of different vessel changes that that fuel has gone into has been minimized and that definitely is a plus but like here in new jersey even though we have refineries that the fuel the diesel fuel that i buy i have no idea where it comes from and it's it's a lot like you know when you make a telephone call and that my cousin used to work for the phone company years back and when you make a telephone call you know they have a routing system so i could possibly call let's say my neighbor on the next farm down the road and depending upon that that call may actually go to oklahoma and they go to philadelphia and then down down catswamp road to my neighbor and then when he calls if i leave a message for him and he calls me back his call to me may be routed to uh, Trenton, New Jersey, and then back to here at my farm. So it goes. They the the phone system uses they uses was a design that they find the easiest path, the most open path for it to go. And maybe that's a poor analogy for what I'm trying to say about diesel fuel. But ultimately, the take-home message here, without belaboring it, is that in most instances, in almost all instances, you truly do not know the origin of that fuel and this, uh, the origin of that crude oil, the refining process of the fuel, or how many times it changed hands or vessels before it got to your farm. And that's really very, very important. The other thing that you need to understand is that much like with gasoline, the federal government only has minimum or minimal, minimal standards for that fuel has to be met. And there's a minimum for its, for its cetane, it's a minimum for its cleanliness. Now we have ultra-low sulfur diesel fuel, so there's the minimum as far as the amount of sulfur is in. And those are the core components of that you would say if you were talking about soil, you would say those are your macro nutrients those are the core things the n p and k that you need to grow a crop but we've all learned that 
to grow a successful crop and to have high yields, we can't just be worried about macronutrients. We have to worry about the pH of the soil. We have to worry about micronutrients. We have to worry about the soil structure, the amount of organic matter in the soil, the CEC of the soil, all those things come together. So, and that's what is going to give us a high yielding crop or the potential for a high yielding crop. And the same thing happens with fuel in the diesel engine. And specifically a diesel engine, not that a gasoline engine is not prone to this, but its combustion process is completely different. As you all know, a gasoline engine is ignited by the arcing of the, the electrode in the spark plug, the central electrode to the side electrode. Whereas a diesel engine is what is called compression ignition. And what that simply means is that people think, some people think incorrectly, that the fuel is, is compressed so much into such a small area that it ignites. And uh, that's really not the case. What basically happens is that the compression of the air in the cylinder, the air molecules in the cylinder, raises the temperature of that air. So when you're compressing the air, you're squeezing it, and there's a friction between the molecules, and you're squeezing it together, and the temperature goes up. And once that temperature goes up, then the diesel fuel is sprayed, it's atomized fuel sprayed into that hot air, and it auto-ignites, it self-ignites. So it's the compressing of the air molecules that makes the heat in the cylinder, and that heat in the cylinder is what uh, ignites the diesel fuel. And that's one of the reasons why it makes it so sensitive to uh, the quality of the fuel much more than gasoline. Not that gasoline is not sensitive, but the arcing, the, the arcing of the spark plug is, makes it a lot more forgiving for gasoline than diesel fuel. If any of you heat with, with what they would call home heating oil, which is basically a diesel fuel without the road tax on it, we heat here... The, the majority of people on the nor- in the northeast heat with uh, home heating oil, and my f- our farmhouse is heated that way. And on a home heating oil or oil burner, we would call it. I actually have a boiler because it has hot water instead of hot air, which would be a furnace. Is that there's an electrode that is positioned like a spark plug in front of the nozzle tip and the nozzle on the on the oil burner is akin to like the injector and this nozzle constantly sprays fuel and then the electrode is constantly arcing to uh, ignite this this atomized fuel whereas a diesel engine because a diesel engine has the cylinder bore and the air is heated so in essence to recap this as we move forward is that what you need to do is you need to have a fuel that's going to be very easy to ignite because it's going to ignite on the heat alone generated by the compression of the air and this is specifically important on the first start of an engine and that is why engines use glow plugs or more modern engines use an intake air heater and the way those two work is very simple the glow plug actually just glows very it's it's a uh, like a toaster element in a toaster and the electricity uh goes through there and it creates a, a glowing tip it actually glows it turns 
uh, bright red from the heat of the electricity going through it and then as you as the engine is cranked what will happen is that the glow plug is positioned inside the combustion chamber so as the piston comes up the top dead center it's going to push the the fuel and air mixture towards the glow plug and the heat of that glow plug ignites it because at that particular point the compressed air in the cylinder is not hot enough on a cold day for it to auto ignite the diesel fuel and an intake air heater basically does the same thing but it uses the uh, an opposite approach it's putting additional heat into the air so the compression action of the piston will then raise the temperature enough for it to ignite and as an aside to this a lot of modern engines use both a lot of modern tier4 engines will use a glow plug and an intake air heater and they will sometimes keep the intake air heater or the glow plug engaged uh, meaning working turned on when the engine is cold and that's so that it runs smoother has less emissions and doesn't have that traditional bulkiness of an older diesel that shut the glow plug off right after you right after it started when you released the ignition switch or key so so thus the ignitability of this fuel is going to be paramount in the way the engine runs and operates now modern diesel fuel there's a lot of things i'm going to try to bring together so i ask you to please bear with me because i'm going to jump around to to, to two or three different areas and then hopefully bring it together collectively at the end in a common sense approach but there's a lot of dynamics that are that are going on here so in essence is that diesel fuel is being transported to the end result being your farm and your bulk storage tank or if you're in town with your diesel pickup truck or what have you and you're buying fuel at the pump is that as it goes through that transportation pro process it has the ability and most likely has picked up moisture has picked up some sludge has picked up uh dirt has uh been exposed to uh to condensation and a whole bunch of other things so it's important for you to realize that the fuel that was produced at the refinery so when it came right out of the refinery is not the same fuel that you are pumping into your tractor and it's not because the fuel was made incorrectly it's not because it's 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 an, anything bad it's just the nature of the industry with it being transported and being exposed and having the ability to wick in moisture and and pick up dirt and what have you and be diluted with some other things now if you look at the fuel transportation industry you may have a barge that was carrying kerosene and then now it's going to carry diesel fuel may have been carrying gasoline or maybe carrying another chemical and then they they drain it out and they fill it up with something else and then that product goes into market so thus it's it once you recognize that the fuel that you're putting into your engine is very different or has the potential of being very different than the fuel that was produced by the refinery you become more accepting of the need to use additives to bring that fuel back up to its desired status now another thing i want to say to you is that if you were to talk to any diesel engine manufacturer they know 
firsthand that the fuel that you're buying does not meet what they had hoped that you would be putting in that engine all right so that's they they recognize that and they try to do their best to design around it to make the engine very forgiving of poor grade fuel now what's basically happening with this ultra low sulfur diesel fuel that has brought up a lot of uh, problems in the industry and as I've said before in the show people blame it the sulfur was the removal of the sulfur the sulfur was never the lubricant in the fuel the process to remove the sulfur to extract the sulfur so there's an extraction method just like when you send the soil test into a lab a soil sample into a lab the, the laboratory has their own type of extraction method to to glean the content of that soil the nutrients the organic matter what have you so the extraction method has removed the lubricity and as much as the manufacturers have tried the manufacturers meaning the engine manufacturers and the fuel system manufacturers have tried to design around having the engine live and specifically the injection pump live with a minimum or a lack of lubricity what they cannot take into consideration is what happens to that fuel and its fuels lubricity prior to it getting to their injection pump on your engine so arguably is that let's say that somebody was delivering some fuel at one particular point in that journey and the truck driver left the lid open on the tank and it was a big downpour and water got in there right or let's say another time it was delivering another another uh, petroleum based chemical and some of it was left over so even though the manufacturers try to design for a lack of lubricity they're designing for the lack of lubricity of that fuel as it left the refinery not what happened to it along the way so let's think of your crop right so you could so let's say you plant you're planting you put some end down and uh everything is looking good and now you have three inches of rain in in uh in two hours you have three inches of rain in two hours and you have a low cec soil like i have and it just takes that end and just drives it way down past into the soil profile where the roots can't get it so your calculations for how much end that crop needed for you to make a the yield your to, to satisfy your yield goal now no longer is valid because you washed that end all the way down too deep into the soil structure and the main root structure can't pick it up and bring it into the plant so now you have a nitrogen deficient plant but you put a sufficient amount of n the same thing happens with the fuel the engineer designs the pump to live with the amount of lubricity injection pump with the amount of lubricity that the fuel comes out of the refinery with but if that lubricity becomes degraded now all bets are off that end is washed too far down there's no lubricity and you have an excessive amount of wear and so the problem being is that it's if you could get the fuel right from the refinery and put it into your into your diesel engine no matter what it may be your diesel engine then you don't need to listen to the show because you're going to have a fuel that's more than sufficient to to run that engine properly and reliably and economically 
but unless you work at a refinery that's not going to happen so that's that's the reality of it now i'm going to break away again for a minute and you know we're all businessmen and we farm or ranch or whatever we happen to do in agriculture that you're listening to this show today is that we all need to turn a profit and we all need to uh, to stay in business that's what we're doing this is uh we love what we do i'm sure 99.9 percent of everyone that's listening here would not do anything else but the reality of the pragmatic is that our farm our operation has to be profitable and i think all too often people only look at the profit as far as what they're getting for their crop or their commodity not what their cost of production is and also the ancillaries of the cost of production so now i'm going to give you an example only because it's fresh in my mind and it's not a knock on anything uh whatsoever other than the state of why you need to treat your diesel fuel i've run into a couple of situations in the, in the past few months with people with with Duramax engines and pickup trucks Duramax and some were farmers some were not they were just whatever pickup truck owners and um, a later Duramax with a Bosch CP 4.2 injection pump and the scenario played out the same the truck had a little bit of degraded performance these people never treated their diesel fuel or if they treated it they treated it so inconsistently like a guy saying going to the dentist saying well, i brush my teeth once a month i think or once every two or three weeks so their, their fuel has may have seen some additive package but for all intents and purposes it didn't and the truck would start to degrade in its performance it would maybe haze a little bit of smoke it would uh maybe start a little bit harder but nothing really of consequence and maybe it didn't feel like it had the uh the oomph that it had before and but you know nobody really thought much of it and what have you and then it's going down the road and the check engine light comes on and then it bucks a little bit and it goes a, a certain distance whether it's five miles or 50 miles after the check engine light comes on and the truck shuts right down that's it won't start won't anything shuts right down and the the vehicle ends up being towed it be, ends up being towed somewhere and uh and it's 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 diagnosed and it's looked at and they the person gets the sad news that it needs between eight and twelve thousand dollars worth of repairs and you go, oh my god this truck has only got a hundred thousand miles and it's got needs ten thousand twelve thousand dollars worth of repairs and the person is informs you that it needs an entire new fuel system the tank needs to be removed and cleaned that the fuel pump needs to be changed the fuel pressure regulator the injection pump the injectors uh everything within that fuel system and on a duramax or probably a power stroke it uses the same pump or a cummings with a different pump depending upon the year the model and what have you that's an eight to twelve thousand dollar repair and you say why did that pump fail well specifically with the uh cp cp 4.2 it's a very high pressure pump uh for common rail type of injection it's a higher pressure pump and it has a smaller body to it so it holds less fuel in it internally like a float bowl of a carburetor but the lack of lubricity from degraded fuel that was run through that pump continuously and it's because of its 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 uh 
high pressure, as very tight clearances, ends up wearing that pump to such an extent inside. And you have to remember, when you're wearing something, you're wearing a bearing, you're wearing the moving parts in a pump, that that shedding that's putting minute pieces of, of metal throughout the whole fuel system. And then that is, and that ends up getting in the injectors, the fuel pressure regulator, in the, uh, the lift pump, the whole nine yards, and and plugs everything up and ruins it from the from either plugging it or the 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 abrasiveness of the metal going in and that is a eight to twelve thousand dollar repair whether you like it or not that's what it is even if you did it yourself it's probably a five thousand dollar repair but then if you need that truck and you got to get a crop in the ground i mean you're not going to be able to do it yourself plus it's Plus, it's a complicated job. You need a lot of special tools, whatever. But I'm not going there with it. The thing basically is that if that person would have treated their diesel fuel, which costs you in a bulk level about five cents a gallon, with a with a with a product that had a lubricity enhancer in it, and then that pump would not have failed, and it would not have put metal through that entire fuel system. So. Before I started to record the show today, I did a little bit of math. So, at more or less today's price, we'll say three fifty a bushel for corn. And let's say this poor soul with this whatever burnt out CP four point two injection pump from Bosch, right? At three fifty a bushel corn, that repair is going to cost that farmer. Uh, 2,857 bushels of product. And if he's averaging, the national average is like 171 bushels per acre, that's just shy of 17 acres worth of yield that he's given to uh, pay for that repair. And it's actually a little bit more because he's had the inputs into that 17 acre field. So how would you feel if you came out one day and you lost 17 acres of crop that somebody came and stole it at night? They came with a combine and they stole 17 acres of crop from you. You would be mad. You would be angry. You would be, you would, you have all a whole potpourri of emotions. Well, by not lubricating your fuel and not treating your fuel properly, that you stole 17 acres of crop from you. Now, keep in mind that in most operations, this could very easily be extrapolated out into numer- to a, a number of different pieces of equipment because most farms don't have just one truck and they don't just have one diesel engine. So, if you, But I'm using the, the Bosch CP4 as an example because it is very prone to failure because it's unforgiving because of the tight tolerances. But it is not a bad design. It is not a poor design. It would be like saying if you had an engine, whatever type of engine, and you put dirty oil in it all the time, and you had the oil, abra- the abrasives in the oil eat up the bearing in the crankshaft journals and score the pistons and score the cylinder walls. But it's not the engineer's fault. It was the fuels in that particular instance, it was you putting dirty oil in. So I like to use something like this as an example because hopefully it drives the point home. So now let's move on to say what will untreated fuel create. And now. Keep in mind that 
that fuel is like this the fuel in a diesel engine is akin to the soil that you plant the seed the yield the crop that you harvest is going to be a, a, a culmination of that soil health the uh, the soil health the, the genetics of the seed you planted and then the weather and other conditions that come into play so now the diesel fuel is like the soil of a field is that the engine cannot run without it if the soil if the field has a poor quality soil has uh, has uh, poor has poor nutrients in the soil has uh, uh, has uh, a lot of uh, uh, clay in the soil has a lack of, of, of micronutrients in it you're not going to get a good yield well the way the engine runs is the yield of this of the fuel so now what does untreated fuel create in a diesel engine well the first thing it creates is poor combustion because if this if this fuel does not have it has moisture in it if it has uh, a, a low level of lubricity if it has a low level of cetane in it and other factors you are not going to have good combustion because you can't have good combustion with poor grade fuel so the combustion of the engine is going to be poor and now once you have that once that combustion event is poor what you're going to face is you're going to get a lot of soot which is particulate matter and you're going to put a lot of soot into that oil and that oil is going to be degraded fuel degraded by that soot in it and is going to create excessive wear also from poor combustion you're going to have excessive fuel system where as we discussed and that's not only going to be the the, the injection pump but the injectors themselves you're going to create cor- corrosion from moisture that is in that fuel you're going to have because of poor combustion a a low amount of chemical to mechanical energy exchange is that the engine is going to use more fuel so you're going to have increased fuel consumption and if it's a tier 4 engine with a tier 4 engine what you're going to have is more regen cycles you're going to use more diesel exhaust fluid you're going to have a higher level of of soot and sludge and carbon built up in the EGR system and because of this you this whole thing collectively you're going to have a decrease in reliability so no one wins here except the guy who's selling you the new parts and the mechanic who's putting it in so now what do we need to think about we need to think about how we could solve this problem and bring this fuel back up to the standard that it was when it left the refinery or slightly better than that and the standard that the engineers that designed the engine and the fuel system want so now i like to teach diesel fuel additives as you would as as you would look at crop protection and whereas in crop protection you'll have modes of action in crop protection and you'll also have a uh you'll have a let's say a pre-emergence herbicide that's going to work on certain weeds right you'll have so a product that may work on on broadleafs may not work on a grass crop or vice versa so now don't get lulled into the fact that all additives are the same and i'm not saying at all that there are 
companies that sell additives that are not truthful, but you have to be an educated consumer and you have to read the bottle. So if a company says, well, we have, we're selling you an anti-gel, well, I'm sure that their anti-gel is wonderful and it's going to stop the fuel from gelling in the winter. But what happens is that the mindset of the farmer is that I'm putting an additive in my fuel but that fuel has one that additive has one mode of action it's anti-gel has no detergent has no lubricity additive no cetane booster no sludge remover has nothing but anti-gel and so you need to read the bottle and you need to read the bottle and pay attention to the words that are used so if it says increased engine performance well yeah if i don't have the fuel that's gelling right i'm going to have increased engine performance because gel fuel is not going to give me very good performance or any performance so you have to be very careful and read the bottle and what i have identified is that a proper additive will have seven modes of action so it'd be akin to like being a pre-emergence weed killer that has seven modes of action and what those seven modes of action that you are looking for in a diesel additive is you're looking for a cetane boost you're looking for an anti-gel component you're looking for a lubricity enhancer you're looking for a fuel stabilizer an injector cleaner a water dispersant and a sludge remover now let's take these one by one cetane why do you want to boost the cetane because the higher the cetane level is the more ignitable the fuel is whereas octane is the opposite of cetane with uh, the definition of octane in gasoline is the fuel's ability to resist combustion through pressure and heat and wait for the arcing of the spark plug that's octane that's gasoline cetane for diesel fuel is its anxiousness to combust so it will combust easier it'll combust at a lower temperature and it'll just be more we use the word anxious and or its eagerness or its willingness to combust now the more anxious the fuel is to combust the better the combustion event is going to be because it's not lazy right it's not lazy to get going it wants to get going it wants to burn it wants to do what it's supposed to do and the sooner it will ignite which means that you will have more of that expansion of that flame pushing against the piston not that the piston is already down two inches in the bore actually you would reference it from crank angle to z degrees 20 degrees uh down into the into the stroke and now the fuel decides to decides to combust now keep in mind that a diesel engine will talk to you so the sound of its combustion is going to if it has a poor rate of combustion or a uh, lazy combustion it's going to have more of a diesel knock it's not going to have that smooth burn that quiet sound so the engine talking to you when you have low cetane fuel you will have a fuel that is going to combust later and it'll be a more violent event instead of a smooth event and the engine will be louder and knock now keep in mind that the the fuel has a natural cetane level and this is what's called enhanced or chemical cetane but even if you uh like the minimum federal standards i think is 40 cetane 
most manufacturers within the auto industry, so like the pickup truck manufacturers, they know Ford does this, is they send the vehicles out of the factory with 50 cetane fuel, not 40 cetane fuel. So now let's say you have a, a 50 cetane fuel, all right, so which is probably going to be impossible for you to buy uh, on the along the side of the road. But let's say you have a, a, a whatever 40 cetane fuel. Let me change my path here. A 40 cetane fuel, and now it gets some moisture in it from just from from heating and cooling and transportation. So it it wicked in some moisture. That's going to affect the cetane. So just keep in mind that the cetane booster that you want in an additive is going to put the cetane back in that you lost, that possibly lost, and or if it didn't lose it, it's going to raise it. And a good product will tell you approximately how many points of cetane it will raise that fuel when you add a certain amount of their Add, or add, I'm using the word, add, a certain amount into it. So in essence, they may say you, if you put two ounces per 20 gallons, I'm making up numbers, you're going to raise the cetane level four points. It's not going to tell you what it is because they don't, they don't know what a starting point is. So let's say if it's two ounces for 10 gallons, use that number, it's easy, arithmetic, you'll raise it four points. So if it was 40 cetane, you're now 44. If it was 36 cetane, now you're only back up to 40. All right. So if you see a product that just says cetane booster on it, and then they don't tell you how much you need to add per gallon, and it's usually ounces, a half ounce per gallon or what have you, then you have no idea how much cetane boost they they have in there. So it could be like a guy who's uh, with a diner who's making chicken soup, and he takes the one chicken and he puts it in a pot for five minutes and pulls it out and puts another pot for five minutes and pulls it out and says, you got chicken soup. Yeah how much chicken was in there how much how long did the chicken stay in there or you take a tea bag and just keep it dumping it and pick pulling it in and out of different cups of hot water so it's important for you to look at the cetane how much cetane gain you will get per ounce of additive with how many gallons of fuel Alrighty. the next thing is you want an anti-gel which basically is just uh, something people are familiar with, especially in the colder climates. In the winter, sort of fuel doesn't gel and uh, gel with the cold weather. That's that's very easy to find. The next thing is you want a lubricity additive. You want a you want to be able to add a, a amount of lubricity to make up for the degradation in transit of that ultra low sulfur diesel fuel and you know you could have the most wonderful diesel fuel comes to your farm and it could degrade in your tank right on the farm so don't just blame the trucker or the train or the refinery or the place you bought it from it's also has it's being exposed to things in your arm farm fuel tank and we'll discuss that towards the end of the show the next thing is you want is a fuel stabilizer and that fuel stabilizer stops the fuel from going stale and from microbial growth in the fuel because diesel fuel is basically more of an organic product than gasoline it's not as highly refined it still has these organic components in it and will grow microbes inside of it not inside of in the, the fuel actually grow microbes whereas gasoline will not do that the next component that you want in a good additive is you want an injector cleaner. 
you want some sort of detergent to keep those injectors clean and to keep the deposits at bay because it's a hydrocarbon based fuel and as the engine runs it will make carbon deposits and no matter how wonderful your fuel is but if you have dirty injectors then the atomization the breaking into small particles of that fuel will not occur and it will be more drippy and then you are not going to get a good clean combustion event regardless of how wonderful the fuel is you could take the best fuel in the world and have dirty injectors and have it not atomized it would be like having a sprayer would instead of you're spraying the, uh, you're spraying your crop and uh, or your pre-emerge and it's coming down like a pencil instead of a nice conical spray well that's what's going to happen and you're not going to get good combustion if you're not atomizing that fuel breaking into small particles the other thing that you want is a an, an additive that has a water dispersant in it you want to be able to absorb and dissipate that water from that fuel and the third thing that you want is a sludge remover because diesel fuel will create sludge in the bottom of the tank from it being biological the moisture the dirt and what have you we don't need to be a chemist here so you want that so that's seven modes of action i'll recap quickly cetane boost anti-gel lubricity fuel stabilizer injector cleaner water dispersant and sludge remover if you have an additive like that you have all bases covered and that is that is the product that you need to use if you're looking at the bottle and you're buying the cheapest one and it says cetane boost and anti-gel that's all you're getting and if it doesn't tell you how much cetane increase you get per dose of that additive then that's the guy with the chicken keeping putting it the guy with the diner in town putting the same chicken in 14 different pots of boiling water and giving you chicken soup and selling it to you now the other thing that you need to keep in mind is that most people do not maintain their ta- their fuel their storage tank on their farm so as i said before you could get the best fuel coming to you if you have a dirty tank and you have a lot of sludge in your tank and and microbes in your tank then you're polluting it would be like having a a beautiful uh, a pair of, pair of shoes and then putting on dirty socks with it all right so the fact of the matter is that you need to take care of that tank and then so this is in a nutshell i'll start to bring this together is that we have to accept the fact that the diesel fuel that we buy that we end up getting is nobody's fault is at odds at what you truly want in your equipment all right that lubricity today is a big big factor and is very expensive when things go bad all right uh, injection pump injector nozzles usually takes the whole system out at the same time because of the metal shavings the minute piece of metal that go through it eight to ten thousand eight to twelve thousand dollars on a smaller engine with direct uh with common rail injection is not a problem getting there think of that as crop as how much crop or how how much whatever you grow you have to give up for that repair and it's not going to give you much of a telltale sign so it's so you're not going to be able to be forewarned much before that right you want an additive you want to additize all your fuel you put the additive in the tank if you buy a bulk additive that has all seven modes of action all right 
uh, and you bulk, you put it into your bulk tank before the truck delivers it, delivers the fuel, it gets all mixed up. You cannot over-additize your fuel and hurt anything. The only thing is that you would hurt your pocketbook and minim minimally, all right? If you buy a good additive that has all of these modes of action, you buy it in bulk, let's say a five-gallon can, which would treat about 5,000 gallons of fuel. And I like, I have no allegiance to them. I don't do business with them, what have you, other than buy their products. I like FPPF Total Power because it has the seven modes of action in it. And when you get it on sale, you get a five-gallon pail, which will treat 5,000 gallons of fuel for about $200. So it costs you about five cents a gallon to treat your fuel, and if and if if you have a truck that you buy fuel in town, keep, you could buy a quart bottle of that additive and a little measured container and pour some into the tank before you go and buy fuel at the fuel stop in town. All right. So don't you you if you deliver grain, you have a trucking company that you you, you run your trucks. You know the rest of the year, you need to advertise that fuel because everything that I'm saying is just as true for that over the road Peterbilt as it is for your combine. All right. And you don't want those those problems down the road and have those expensive repairs. But we also need to treat the on-farm storage tank and what you if you if you're putting the additive in with the bulk fuel you will take care of a lot of that but if you but what you need to do is put in whether it's twice a year or at least once a year a biocide and a biocide is going to kill all of the bacteria and organisms that are growing in the bottom of your tank and it is going to kill them and make them so you could put them through the engine with no problem. It's not going to plug your fuel filters. It's not going to plug anything. And there's another. Uh, and so what you want to do is at least twice, uh, at least once a year, let's say, put a biocide in your tank and a product that's a sludge remover. Then put your additive package in for your engine. So at that particular point, you'll be having your additive package that goes in with the seven modes of action into your bulk tank before the truck comes and fills it up. You'll have a bio side that goes in there, and you'll have a sludge remover. And you put, then you fill it up, and that is going to clean the tank. And if you have a tank that's very old, you could treat it with the sludge remover and the bio side and you could get it clean it'll take time some people end up getting the tank and washing it they have arm farm storage tank but you could chemically do that it'll just take longer and then once you treat that let's say once a year you treat that let's say you do it twice this year because the tank is older and then you do it once a year after that and you tr and you treat the fuel for the engine right because all of those additives are for the engine that's going to maintain the cleanliness of your fuel tank your on-farm storage tank so now you have nothing to worry about because you have a clean tank and you are going to negate any of the the degradation that happened to that fuel from when it left the refinery and got to your farm by putting the seven modes of action additive in it and then you're going to maintain the cleanliness of the tank and you're golden and then forget about it. And you're going to become a stranger to excessive regens 
on tier four you're going to become a stranger to what your injection pump or your injectors look like and your farm and your equipment is going to run very 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 efficiently this is not fufu dust this is not snake oil but the caveat that i attach to this is that you basically have to use a additive that has seven modes of action and you have to maintain the cleanliness which is the lack of sludge and the lack of microbial activity in your fuel tank all right so even though you have a spin-on filter or some type of filter you don't want to you want to have that filter do very little because you're pumping clean fuel through it from your tank and if you do that that's just like having good ma good macronutrients good micronutrients could see the soil contact uh, uh, you know, a good amount of, of rain, a uh, good amount of sun, early planting, your crop is going to yield. Your engine is going to yield. And the most important thing here, not only is it going to run better, you're going to save a lot of money. And hopefully no one that I'm listening to has an injection pump failure, as I said, like a CP4 or any other modern type of common rail injection pump because i don't want you spending ten or twelve thousand dollars to fix a pickup truck i don't want you spending ten or twelve thousand dollars to fix a fuel system in a combiner sprayer that five or even say ten cents a gallon of fuel could have eliminated and also the lack of use of that equipment so hopefully that i've made you over this past this show made you a believer but it has to be a proper additive so read the bottle ask questions if it's very vague then it's then the amount of impact it has is going to be vague also all right we have a quick special delivery here and as you know uh these letters are brought to you well not brought to you but they come through the listeners and readers of the website but fire from brought to you by firestone ag and Harvey Firestone dreamed of putting rubber tires on the farm tractor. He knew what benefit it did to automobiles, and he knew it would be even a bigger benefit to the farmer. So his thought process allowed him to actually bring the pneumatic tire to the farm. And that that mindset is still alive today at Firestone Ag with their 23-degree tread bar and AD2 technology and their replacement tracks, the Firestone of tracks. The soil is the lifeblood of your farm, trusted only to Firestone. And I'm going to add something here, that the fuel is the lifeblood of your equipment trusted only to properly add to properly added proper additives i can't get my tongue in my mouth today that's not good it doesn't sound too professional but i have a quick uh letter here and this is from joe burns in ohio and he says to me ray i really enjoyed your podcast last week on pump cavitation he says, I listen all the time, but I've had cavitation or I've had pumps fail before, and I just want to thank you for bringing that information, and I now will pay more attention to my pumps, the way they sound, and if they do fail, I will definitely try to take them apart and determine what's going on so I don't have that failure happen again. But my question to you is, can an electric fuel pump, like an electric lift pump on an engine, cavitate also? All right, well, thank you, Joe, and I'm glad that you listened, and I hope from this point on that you do not have any pump failures, because if you, you know, open up that 
those those passages so you could have a proper flow and proper discharge you will do 99 percent to eliminate cavitation the short answer is yes any type of pump can cavitate and if you have an electric lift pump on an engine may be harder to hear on a diesel engine but if you get near it you could use like a mechanic stethoscope to listen to it or even if you have access to it put your ear near it or put your hand on it to feel it all right if it moans to you or starts to talk then that electric lift pump for that fuel system is cavitating also and historically it's either got a restricted fuel filter or maybe a, depending if the filter comes first or the fuel separator fuel water separator on a diesel or it has a restriction in its pickup line the inlet side but lots of times what you'll find is that the in tank pickup line has holes in it or is as porous i should say and is sucking air and having end trained air so if the pump is talking to you anytime a pump talks to you as i said in that show be it whether it's a a fuel pump a water pump a hydraulic pump any type of pump it's talking to you it is experiencing some sort of cavitation so yes an electric lift pump on a piece of equipment or on a truck on a diesel engine can and will cavitate given the same conditions of either excessive temperature or a flow restriction or a suction restriction or some entrained air so uh, the answer is yes and it is your job to figure out where that what's causing that cavitation because if you do not figure that out that new pump is going to cavitate also and be ruined and that's with any type of pump cavitation that you will ruin that new pump and that's why it's so important for you to to identify why those pumps failed well listen thank you so much for listening i hope i sincerely hope that you uh, learn that you need to additize your fuel and then forget about it make sure it's your on-farm storage tank and this goes for your home heating oil also has a sludge remover product put in it and a biocide seven modes of action Additize your fuel, forget about it, run your farm, your operation, no need to think about it anymore. Listen, you have a blessed Easter, and if you're listening to this after Easter, you have a blessed day, and know that the Hot Rod Farmer is pulling for you, the American farmer and rancher, and my beloved America.